Well, today I want to talk about soil. And if you're anything like me, at this time of the year, in these temperate months, you'll find yourself somewhere out in the yard, down on your hands and knees, hands deep in the rich, dark earth, planting and mulching, maybe, weeding and clearing away. One of my projects earlier this summer already was to rejuvenate one of the beds and to mulch it there in the front yard of the parsonage. And that had me down there on my hands and knees with a trowel digging up some weeds and some clumps of grass, as well as scraping through the dirt with my bare hands to rake out as much of those weeds as I could. One of the things that I noticed there close to the ground was just how dark and how rich and how wormy that soil is, how supportive of life. Weeds want to grow in that bed. Anything we plant there wants to grow in that bed. Plants get all the sun they need in that bed and all the nutrients from the soil and lately, of course, all this rain. It's the bed where we have planted a series of blueberry bushes and I noticed just a couple of days ago that a family of turkeys with a couple young adolescents came by to check out whether those blueberries were ready just yet. Well, in our Gospel reading for this morning, Jesus too wants to explore the soil, so to speak. In this parable of the sower, He draws our attention especially to the soil. Because someone, this anonymous sower in this parable, someone has been scattering seeds liberally and abundantly all over the land across soils of many, many different kinds. And Jesus wants to explore with His disciples why some of them sprout and some of them don't. Why some seem to get going at first and then fizzle out after a while. Why some seem to show more on the surface than they have beneath the soil. And while others, why others seem to have the life choked out of them while still others seem to thrive and yield an abundance of produce? That sounds to me like a worthwhile question in the season of of planting and of rejuvenating beds. And I don't know about you, but I too have some dead spots in my own front lawn in the strangest of places. There are a couple of spots in particular right out there in the sunniest and greenest part of my lawn where the grass is the thickest, and yet there are dead spots. I've watered them, I've seeded them year after year, and yet nothing will grow right where the soil would seem to be the best in the conditions most promoting of life. It's a conundrum that I'd like to get to the bottom of because I'd like to see that front lawn do well. Jesus, though, of course, isn't talking about actual soil or literal gardening. This is a parable about faith taking root and about the conditions of a spiritual thriving. The sower in the analogy here could be you or me, but ultimately it's God, of course, who spreads that seed, who spreads it around so widely and so abundantly regardless of the soil. And indeed, the one of the things to wonder at most here is is this generosity. 
this generosity of the gardener, you might say, and we might, we might call wastefulness of the gardener, of the sower who lavishes seed across every terrain despite the unlikeliness of it ever taking root on the road or in that rocky or thorny soil. How gracious. How gracious. How wonderfully good to even offer that soil a chance even as unlikely as it is that anything at all might grow there. It's not for lack of seed that the majority of these different terrains aren't bursting to the fullness of life, though. It's something about their nurture in this parable. Something about the conditions of the soil. Some of these different soil conditions are too hardened and compacted, right? That seed scattered onto the pathway has been sown in a spot that's walked on all the time, perhaps, that have carts driven over it every single day, day after day, pressing down that soil. That soil is so pressed down that any seed sown there probably will just sit on top rather than ever make its way down to where it needs to be. That seed is more likely, in fact, to be crushed by the next caravan to walk by or the one after that than to ever get down deeper into the ground where it can grow. The soil just won't let it in. In one case that Jesus mentions here, the soil is so full of rocks that although the plant can grow, it can't grow down and establish any roots. It's easy to pull up like a weed in any of our front yards and doesn't root very deeply. And as Jesus says here when he comes to interpret this parable, the first sign of, when the first sign of trouble comes, it tends to wipe those plants away. All because of those shallow roots. All because the conditions of the soil aren't supportive of that plant to grow deep like it needs to calls our attention to one more sort of environment that tends to prevent these seeds from arriving at their intended maturity, and that's the thorny ground. But unlike the hardened ground, these seeds do find their way into the soil. Unlike the rocky ground, these seeds do apparently find a way to root. But for these seeds, it's what's above the soil. That's the problem. Those thorns and briars represent things that choke out the sunlight, things that steer the upward trajectory of the plant off course, and maybe that keep it distracted by the things that are surrounding it. Only rarely is the point. Only rarely and under certain specific conditions, specific soil conditions, are the seeds really permitted to grow. Only rarely is the soil, the spiritual setting that nurtures faith to the fullness of life, just right so that those initial seeds can mature to the point where they themselves are bearing fruit and seed. This parable today has a lot to say, I think, that's that's relevant and important to where you and I sit this morning. It's first of all a beautiful image of the liberality of God's widespread grace spread far and wide, wasted even, 
on unsupportive soil. And yet it's spread just because of who God is and what God intends for each and every one of us, that that seed would be born into a thriving sort of life. It's also, though, an apt reminder to us all that sometimes the reasons that the seeds of faith don't grow is because the soil that we plant ourselves within The soil is our hearts in this parable, after all. We harden it, or put it in the way of being hardened, oftentimes. We don't find the kinds of communities of faith or put in place the regular nurturing practices of faith that allow roots to grow deep. We put ourselves in the way of distractions and influences that steer us off course so that our spiritual lives don't get much more mature than weeds in a briar patch. All of that is true, of course. And all of that is important today to take stock of and to be self-reflective about. The time to nurture the growth of the seed is before the tragedy comes along. Not after when you discover that you're out at sea never having taken much of an interest in the life of your spirit. And yet, and yet there's also a haunting piece of this parable for me. There's a haunting permanence here about the soil in this parable that's bothersome to me today. And the question, it seems to me, is, is there no hope at all for these other seeds? For all of those plants with shallow roots and all those newly born saplings trying to wind their way through the thorns toward the light. The soil, after all, couldn't anticipate what seeds might fall upon it. Is there hope for these other soils? Or is the flourishing plant of the faith-filled only the most rarest of plants? In light of that, I was thinking this week about this other passage we read for this morning from Genesis. You know, sometimes reading the lectionary passages today, sometimes the lectionary throws a combination of readings at us that's something of a puzzle, and it's not always obvious how they go together. But after sitting and praying with this passage this week, it occurred to me that often our families and our homes are like soil that doesn't or does nurture seeds to life. And as with the soil in this parable, so with our families... The question, it seems to me, is, is there a possibility for change? Are our family soils forever doomed? Or can they change to become places that nurture seeds to the fullness of bloom? And even to the extent that they share seeds of their own. Jacob and Esau's relationship, as we read earlier, is doomed from the start, it seems. Twin brothers. And already inside the womb, it says, they're striving against one another for who is going to come out first. Jacob is born, it says, gripping Esau's heel. Almost as if to wrestle him back into the womb. They look different. They seem to have vastly different passions, ways of living, and perspectives on life. Esau is the favorite of 
his father Isaac, and Jacob is the favorite of Rebekah, their mother, and it doesn't really say if that was fine with the boys or not. And then there's this dastardly deed, as the old cartoons put it. Esau comes home starving one day, and Jacob uses that as his opportunity to claw back that inheritance all over a bowl of lentil soup. Now, Elizabeth, you may know, makes pretty good lentil soup. Have you ever had it at our potlucks? And it's red lentil soup, too, just like here in the story. But this one, I think, has a few more ingredients behind it, you might say. This family is struggling. And this is the same family, if you recall from last week, that's supposed to to grow as numerous as the sands on the seashore and as the stars in the sky so that they can be a blessing to the nations. And here they are, unable even to be a blessing to one another. How is this family soil going to nurture seeds into the fullness of spiritual life that God intends for us all? It just seems too toxic. And in its current state, I'm sure it is too toxic. Certainly something's going to have to change with this soil or the young plants will suffer the consequences. You may know, or perhaps not, the subsequent history of these two brothers. Each one becomes the founding father of neighboring nations. Jacob of the people of Israel. And in fact, his name is changed to Israel later in the Genesis story. Esau is similarly the founding father of the nation of, of the nation on Israel's southern border called Edom. And in later times, this story we are reading today was understood as something like a metaphor for the perennial tensions between these two countries. We see that in the prophets, in fact. Israelites and Edomites in later times, in fact, understood their struggles with one another through the lens of this story. And so the ground gets harder and harder as generation upon generation upon generation remembers how one brother was wronged by the other. This is a challenging story for today because it challenges us, I think, to ask ourselves not only if the soil conditions can ever change in here, but if they can ever change among us as well. In our homes, in our families, in those broken human communities that we all live within that choke out the life from seeds that God intends to grow. Church, I believe that it is possible to shift the soil conditions so that they can become nurturing of life. I believe that's possible both within our individual hearts and within our families and communities. Possible, but hear me, not easy. Possible, but not easy. And not at all possible without the help of God. Possible in our individual lives because one day that hardened pathway might wake up to itself and ask a hard question of itself. Hey, why isn't anything growing on me? 
Why isn't anything growing from me when that soil over there seems to be producing so much life and so much fruit? It can wake up to that on its own or it can be prodded to that question by a well-meaning friend. Or that thorny family soil that so many of us navigate might be challenged one day with a sudden awareness of, of look at what we're doing to one another to these young saplings in our midst, to those that we're charged to nurture to life, they too can be awakened to see that there are thorns in the soil. Why are we doing this to one another? Let's just rip out these thorns. What do you say? Possible, I say, but not easy. Certainly not automatic and certainly not without God's help. And it seems to me today that 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 may just be the hidden call behind our scriptures. To attend to the soil. To attend to the soil conditions in our hearts, in our communities, in our homes, and in our families. Attend to the soil. Because that's where the seed takes root. And all of God's people said, Amen.